Welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of the Five Things Podcast. There we go. Joined today by Five Things Podcast alumni, Amanda Davis, Project Director at Gray. Hello, Amanda. Good morning. And one of the best in the business, a content architect at Gray, Ish Treore. Hey, Ish. Hey, what's going on? Happy to be back. All right. We're we're off and running. So this week's five things are going to be really interesting. I'm pretty pumped to talk about them. First and foremost, we're going to talk about civil rights groups calling on advertisers to pause Facebook ad spend. We're going to talk about Instagram testing shopping tags in post captions. We're going to talk about Google releasing Keen, Twitter launching audio clips in tweets, and then finally, Twitch announcing that the Premier League matches will be streamed on their platform. So we're going to start off with none other than, well, me talking about civil rights groups calling on advertisers to post Facebook ad spend. So civil rights groups, including the NAACP, Sleeping Giants, and an advertising industry watchdog group that actually we featured on our other podcast, Gray Matter, and the Anti-Defamation League, Color of Change, and a few other organizations have uh, gone out and said that Facebook has a history of inaction against harmful content, including misleading and improperly targeted ads. So they have created hashtag stop hate for profit in effort to curb the spread of hate and misinformation by calling on advertisers to boycott Facebook and Instagram. Pretty fascinating stuff. I know we all are dealing with this on a regular basis. Uh, we, we are seeing this as a pivotal moment in the industry uh, for how we are going to curb hateful, racist uh, speech in, in our industry and in our society. And with that, I will open it up to the panel. Amanda, Ish, what do we think? I think this is something that's been talked about for a long time. And I, I, just like everything else that's happening um, with, you know, people understanding more about you know, the way that systemic racism has affected people, how, you know, advertising and marketing can sometimes inadvertently push that forward. I think this is super exciting. Um, I think Facebook is going to be forced to take a look at their policies and understand what they're doing to help, um, you know, make sure that their platforms are feeding accurate information. I candidly am a little skeptical that it's going to last for a long time. I think it is kind of a a big moment. That is a big piece of conversation right now. I'm curious to see if it sticks for the long run and and what Facebook does in response, whether that's something that feels a little bit surface level or there's, there's true change coming from them. So I'm, I'm hopeful about it. I think it's a, it's a long time coming. I just am a little skeptical that it's going to get what it needs from that change. What's pretty interesting about Facebook is they've always tried to center themselves as more of a mediator or just a middle ground for all uh, religious views, all political views, and just be more of a um, a platform of sorts. But when it comes to racial injustices, it's so identifyingly crazy how it's one-sided that there's no way that they could look proper in this situation. So I can totally understand like both sides of the elements. So as, you know, just like you said, Amanda, it's going to be really interesting to see how it, how it plays out. Hopefully they understand that this is something that you really can't be, I guess, robotic with, and I'm using air quotes, and you have to kind of allow the, um, 
the truth to seep through and allow that to affect, you know, ad revenue. Because I know a lot of people love that bottom line and it usually can hide behind social issues. But this is something and we're in a different time where it actually can't, you know. That's exactly right. I think it, it, it's the uh, it's a watershed moment in the, in the industry is is uh, reacting uh, as of the recording of this podcast. Verizon just announced that they are joining the efforts along with REI, Patagonia, Eddie Bauer, Ben and Jerry's, a few other big brands who have been uh, very outspoken in this regard. And I think we're going to see more brands continue uh, to jump on board. Moving forward to our second thing. Uh, we will have Ish talk to us a little bit about Instagram testing shopping tags in post captions. So Ish. Yeah, man, this is really going to be interesting. So everyone knows when you go on Instagram, um, usually with ads that are uh, directed towards you, if you actually click in the picture, sometimes some of the items will allow you to see what the item costs or give you a hyperlink within Instagram to allow you to go purchase something. Now that's being done in the actual caption. And because of that, what that does is create a new e-commerce platform and exclusive for Instagram and Facebook. For me, it's pretty interesting because now it allows people to really understand what's being advertised to them from like an influencer perspective. A lot of times I feel like it's been top level from like brands, but never have I felt like an influencer could directly advertise to me and me actually like, I guess, fall for it because they was always somewhere like LinkedIn bio. This may compete with LinkedIn bio and LinkedIn bio always felt like it was owned by Instagram, you know, like anything someone wanted to show you was LinkedIn bio. And then in the stories, they had swipe up. But now with the captions, this is going to create a new meta. And I'm interested to see how uh, these writers out here are going to allow this to seem casual because right now it seems very much, um, you know, it feels ad, you know, uh, generated. And I guess that does well for us because we're in a creative space where we can lean towards making more conversational pieces for people but i I, i'm gonna i'm gonna be i'm gonna be interested in seeing how this how this plays out with this new meta for sure absolutely i think you're seeing facebook and instagram waving their arms around trying to find things that make businesses want to stay put and this is just collapsing that purchase funnel more and more um and i think the the more that businesses feel like Facebook is making the path to purchase feel simpler, the more likely they are to jump in. But as we just talked about in the first thing, they got to get their house in order before they can do the second thing. So oh, uh, <laughs> really, really interesting, though. Um, and let me know what you think, Amanda. I always felt like Instagram was turning into like its own Internet server of, of sorts. I always felt like it was like Safari and then Instagram. And so now, yeah, so now it feels even more immersive. What do you think? Yeah. And it's also an interesting time too, because you're seeing the conversation move into things like boycott Amazon, support small businesses, support black owned businesses. And whereas that shift sounded scary at first, you're like, well, where do I get my dog food? Um, now it's easy to use the platform, go straight to a link and say, I love this thing that I found. It's perfect for me. And all of a sudden you've bought it. I personally buy a lot of stuff online and this, even just the pilot program of this, I've I have used it and purchased all the way through the funnel and it's easier than any other way of purchasing. So I, I think it's going to find a lot of success. And I think that a lot of, especially small brands are going to take advantage of it and see, see how many more people get into the funnel um, just through Instagram itself. So I, it's super smart and super well-timed. 
They just got a ship on time. I bought a massage gun. It took a month and a half. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to our third thing. Google is releasing Keen. Amanda, tell us a little bit about Keen. So Keen is a web browser and app that I'm going to be honest, looks a lot like Pinterest. It is essentially created to um, curate your interest, pull together a lot of content from the internet and group them in uh, boards that are essentially linked to different things that you could be interested in. For instance, baking, Um, there's sci-fi, there's anti-racism resources. Right now it has a little bit of everything. The big difference, though, from Pinterest is that it utilizes Google's AI and and machine learning to curate what's in that feed. So I'm not a huge Pinterest fan because of that reason. It's just an endless scroll of things that may or may not be relevant. Um, And I think that this is super smart for Google. And it's also one of their many ways they've tried to break into what feels like social networking. So you can share your boards with other people. You can um, curate your own feed. And Google hasn't really done that well in the social networking space. I think this is a good way in because it's uh, obviously a behavior that people are already doing. Um, The timing, again, on the timing, it's pretty interesting because obviously, you know, everybody across the world has been sitting inside for two months thinking about, I want to learn how to play the guitar, Uh, uh, going to my keen, figure out a music learning board. So I think this is going to be successful pending a couple of questions that we don't really know yet. So this was the first week that it launched. And and right now it's, it's not Google branded. So it's staking.com. I think that's a little bit interesting. They're probably trying to separate themselves from the Google, you know, master data database. Um, And the other piece is that this system does not rely on right now user generated content. So it seems like there's a an in-house creator team that is compiling all these resources in one place. That's that's kind of the big question mark I think right now is how what does expansion look like? Are people going to be able to add content, add boards, circulate information and then obviously the next step from there are brands going to be able to do that. So it's it's new and there's a lot of question marks. It could be successful if it's scalable. And if it actually creates um, information that people want easily, but right now it feels a little bit like Pinterest. I'm not going to lie. Wouldn't be the first time that one of the social networks tried to come in and create a lookalike in a way to steal market share. But I think, you know, what we're hearing from our friends at Pinterest is that the, their traffic is through the roof. People are dreaming and planning and thinking more. It's shocking to me that it took Google this long to add this into what they're trying to do, uh, just given the level of search traffic and click-through that they drive. Uh, but it's an interesting thing. And I'm always interested to see when behemoths in the market uh, push out rival uh, services like this. I wonder what Tumblr thinks about all of this. Yeah, there's Tumblr, Tumblr sitting at home with MySpace and Napster and everyone else having a conversation about what Keen's going to be. Uh, moving on to <laughs> moving on to the fourth thing, Twitter launched audio clips in tweets. Ish, tell us a little bit about that. Man, this is pretty interesting to me because 
I'm going to go a little bit off the rails a little bit. And one thing about Twitter is it's always been about text. It's never been about video. It's never really been about any other form of integration other than your characters. That's why when they added more characters to Twitter, it was a really, you know, defining moment for a lot of writers and such. So now Twitter has launched these audio clips where you can you can tweet your tweet and you can actually speak towards things that you usually would just um um well you usually just tweet towards it. What's what's really um interesting about it right now, it's only on Apple, so it's only on iOS at the moment. I guess it will be on Android soon enough. And some people have tried it out and used it. And of course, there are some very creative people out there. And there are jobs where I guess that would help even more, especially like during these times. But for me, I've always liked that I didn't know some of these people's persona, you know, and Twitter allowed people to just allow themselves if they're academic to kind of hide behind their words in, in a very creative manner and, and, and build personas like through that. Now, if I hear their voice, I'm not sure if I'm going to care about what they may be saying, because I might think about, you know, their background or or their um their cachet or equity to be speaking on what they're speaking on. So it's going to be interesting for sure, you know. So, um, yeah, it could be very cool. It could be very cool. And I think it's going to be cool. And it's also like the first time that I think a social network has responded to this general shift in the last couple of years of like audio first lifestyle. Like we have Alexa and Siri and voice notes, et cetera. And I really haven't seen any social platforms, um, tap into that at all. Eventually we're going to be hands off, not looking at our phones, not typing stuff in. We're just going to be saying what we want and it's going to show up in front of us. So audio first lifestyle, as we talk through on a podcast, um, I think is a really interesting, interesting technology that it's, it's breaking into. So it's, yeah, it, it could become content series. It could become a podcast hub. It, there's a lot of possibilities that, that will show up and very interesting. And I will say slightly unexpected. Yeah, uh, I think it's, it's highly. Oh, sorry. Ish, go ahead, bud. No, I was just going to make a terrible joke this morning. I was going to say that th- that this is definitely going to be something that you're going to be able to utilize and blast us off with any content that we do moving forward. You're talking about me? Yeah. <laughs> you have a great voice. If you People already care about your tweets. If you start using your voice with the tweet, they're going to be like, whoa, this guy's a big deal. Oh, please. Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, well, I am interested to see how people start using it because, uh, you know, I think Twitter has been a place where brands have been able to go under the radar a little bit in terms of their brand voice. Uh, I'll be curious to see which brand jumps on this first. So our fifth and final thing for all you footy fans out there, Twitch is announcing that they're going to be streaming Premier League matches. So social platforms have really been trying to capitalize on the link between live TV viewing and social engagement, second screening as we know it. And according to research, more than 90% of people now have their smartphones in hand while watching their TV. So uh, with Twitch coming out and saying that the, the Premier League, the main soccer league in England will be streaming those matches here and around the world on Twitch. I know in the U.S., the Premier League is continuing to gain popularity. Uh, So very interested to see what this does for advertising revenue, what this does for continued second screen experiences. Amanda-ish, any thoughts on how brands might be jumping in to uh, join what the Premier League is doing and help be a part of that conversation? 
I think every brand is going to jump into any sport opportunity this year. People are so hungry to digest sports, see highlights. They don't care now if they're going to ESPN, Twitch, YouTube. It, it really doesn't matter. I think this is going to be a really big um, draw for a lot of people into the Twitch uh, platform. I'm excited. I think that gaming has had a hard time getting new fans into the fold for a while. Not really over the past year. I think they've, they've gained a lot of traction, but I think for people who love football or soccer, Kenny really messed me up with the European slang. People who love soccer might not have ever been to Twitch before. They might get there, watch a premier league game. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I also love call of duty. Let me watch this stream. I also love another game. I'm going to tune in. So super smart way to kind of cross promote esports and and traditional sports I, I i think it's great well for me i remember when twitter uh started streaming live nfl games that was a game changer for them um i mean in a sense so with twitch the one thing i always feel about when i go on twitch i always feel like i'm in another world when i go on the website like the the actual like user um just it's just very inviting so to see that you can actually start seeing certain type uh content on there without it being illegal, because some people would go on Reddit and illegally uh, stream things until it got taken down. So now that they'll have like a, a perfect interface for it, I'll be excited to see how it looks and how it levels out and who actually does feedback and content off of that, because they have so many platforms where you can watch stuff and give like your take on it. So it would almost be like an ESPN for some people. So we'll see what, um, just more or less how that levels out. I'm excited. And it's, you're right. It's like super immersive when you're on the platform, like you have what you're watching, you have a chat on the side, you have, you know, a feed on the other side, you have some other pieces of content that are like navigating around it. So it, it feels very similar to like an ESPN when you have all those, you know, that content that you're taking in that does feel like a second screen experience. And so that being said, there's almost infinite ways that brands are going to find to tap into one part of that experience because you get on that site and you're just clicking around and looking at stuff and reading stuff. And all of a sudden 30 minutes is gone. So I think we'll, we'll see all the different ways that Twitch is, is probably going to offer brand, um, you know, partnership and, and collaboration there, but it, it, it'll be very lucrative. I'm, I'm sure for any brand that taps in. Absolutely. Well, with that, Thank you to two of my favorite people, Amanda Davis and Ish Traore. We have had a great time today talking about five things, and we look forward to seeing you next week with five new things happening out in the world of social and digital. We'll see you soon. The Five Things are written and researched by Andrew Patti and Grace McDougall, produced by Joey Scarillo, Danielle Hunt, and John Dillon. Additional support by John Jenkinson and Christina Hyde. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.